Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of the Provcast. My name is Brendan. I'm Court. And we are your hosts, as always, for this edition. And today we are excited, although uh, we know this is a daunting topic, but we figured that it was time to talk about what's going on in our current cultural climate. So we are calling this episode Riots, Masks, and General Mayhem, <laughs> which kind of sounds like a WWE pay-per-view. It really but, does. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're just going to dive in today and, and really talk about all things that are happening. And I know uh, it's it's quite a lot. Um, and so before we do, we just want to say we're, we're going to be talking candidly. We're going to be talking openly, openly. And I know that uh, we're, we're not setting out to make a political statements with this podcast or anything yeah. like that. We're, we're just genuinely trying to talk about... How does the Christian go about in these times? Um, so please, uh, no, please don't go into this hoping to be affirmed in your political stance or that we're gonna, you know, shuck the other side or something like that. That's not our our hope. Right. Um, we're just we're trying to point everything back to Jesus in the midst of, honestly, the most chaotic things I've ever seen in my life. Right. So, um, so I guess I'll 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 ask you. What is going on in the world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean this 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 podcast is a long time coming. I mean, uh, obviously you have we we talked and joked a little bit about coronavirus and some of our old ones, but um, you know, coronavirus is just the context through which now and our our national narrative has just gone nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I but I do think the context matters, right? I I do think that that because we've been uh, pinned up in our houses, people are afraid, people are anxious, and basically spending the majority of their time on social media or watching the news, I think it definitely has created a climate that is just toxic and, and people are angry and they're, and they're showing that anger um, mm-hmm. in a number of ways. And then obviously the catalyst moment would be end of May. Uh, you know, everybody sees the video that goes viral online of George Floyd being uh, experiencing uh, police brutality in just an awful way. I mean, yeah. I think it was like, you know, seven or eight minutes that this uh, officer Shalvin had his knee on the back of this man's neck. And, yeah. um, and I think it's hard to be, I think it's hard to, not just hard to watch. It's, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that there was anyone with empathy that watched that video and thought, Oh, no big deal. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just awful. Um, and then we, we have, members of our church here are police officers, uh, friends who are police officers, and they all agreed. So mm-hmm. this is just, this is just, not only is it awful, it's, it's bad training. It was, it was brutal. Um, and so from there though, I think that, um, that kicked off a whole other, like a slew of discussions. You got, um, protests all over the, the nation that started with, you know, Hey, we need to, we need to address this issue of, of police brutality leading into, we need to address this issue of systemic racism. Um, that then that just kind of took off where you have organizations who are vying for influence, um, like black lives matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, uh, these other like domestic terrorist groups like Antifa that are coming in and doing some pretty, uh, reprehensible stuff in, in areas like Portland, Seattle, and then, um, and you go on and on and on, and now here we are, and it, I think that you know, there's been at least protesting and rioting in some cities for you know two straight months now. Yeah. Um, and then in the backdrop of all of that, you got these decisions that have to be made about schools. Are our kids going to go back to schools? Uh, mask mandate came down in the state of Texas, which you know Texans just don't like to be told what to do generally. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's it's been a little bit messy, and um, so. I mean, to, and to answer your question, like what's going on in the world, I, I think I've tried to, to be an, obs- uh, uh, 
a cultural observer from with a Christian lens on and ask like, okay, Lord, what are you up to? But then also like, well, if I had to answer the question, like generally, why are we experiencing this? That's why I say, I do think that you have to acknowledge COVID as a context. Yeah. Because I do think that if, if everybody were going to their jobs and going about normal everyday business, that you would not have seen some of this happen. Um, not all of it. I think that, you know, we've had times, well, Ferguson being one where you had the Ferguson yeah. riots, so that was no no pandemic at all. But I do think like the rolling riots of two straight months have everything to do with the fact that, um, you know, we're all just kind of getting geared up for for action with nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, even though this is not uh, like you mentioned, like we want to ensure that we're not political. Here comes here comes this election. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another context that it all comes comes to to play in. It's just it's a mess. So let's go back to the beginning here, and let's kind of take everything on topic at a time. So I want to talk about um, George Floyd. Hmm. Sensitive, difficult topic to talk about because you mentioned. I mean, eight minutes. And they did an eight-minute uh, moment of silence at uh, his memorial service. And um, you know, I give guitar lessons um, to students around the community, and uh, was talking to uh, one of their mothers who was in tears. I mean, I walked out of my guitar lesson, and uh, she's picking up her son, and she's you could see visibly in tears because she had just watched the memorial. And she said, "You know, I knew that it, eight minutes was a long time, but but when I'm into minute." when I'm at minute two and a half Mm. and I'm just thinking there's still six, you know, five minutes and five and a half minutes to go. She she said she lost it. And I'm just thinking, man, eight minutes is a long time. And you know, I feel like the general theme for this provcast, at least that I will try to touch from my own opinion is that do we want to be right or do we want to be helpful and charitable? Right. And I think that there's a time to be right and be unapologetically right. But then there's also a time where charity and and uh, grace can can win in a situation and be the most uh, triumphant thing, and and I think there's a lot of that that's going to happen today. And so, I would love to to talk about kind of how we as Christians respond to to George Floyd, right? So George Floyd is killed, and then like you said, these riots explode, and then the Black Lives Matter movement, which has already been a movement for a long time, mm-hmm. comes back um, and really in, in, a, in a very uh, powerful and um, just momentous way but you have people all over the place I mean and 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 just to be candid you, you watch the video and then you see people say things like don't break the law this won't be an issue yeah and I'm just like you know it de- part of me doesn't even know how to respond to that yeah because we're seeing now unfortunately as you said with you know improper training we're seeing that people at times aren't breaking laws yeah. and they're still suffering. Now we know that there's, there's, there's details to every situation. We know that there's a reason that George Floyd was being detained at the moment. We don't need to really get into that. I don't think that's really super important, but I'm not going to go and say, Oh, he, you know, don't break the law. And that's not, that's not going to happen. So is, is George Floyd, is that, is, is this situation a time where we should be right? Or, or how do you feel like we can best respond to George Floyd in, in, in that as, as Christians? Yeah, it's so very nuanced. So I think there's a, there's a lot of uh, things that are at play here. Number one, I think there's a, there's a way that we can say two things can be true at once. And yes. we have to acknowledge that. 
um, three things can be true at once. I mean, I can go through a lot of these, but um, but our culture has a way, uh, particularly on social media, and because of the high the politicization of this event, you, you're either on one side or you're on the other. Uh, I even saw this uh, most recently in a congressional hearing yesterday. Um, and I only use this example because it is highly politicized, and, and I think it's crept its way in. But in a, in a congressional hearing yesterday with uh, Attorney General Barr, there were these questions that were asked of him, and then um, there would be a, there would be a really nuanced question asked, and then basically the the follow up would be, and I, all I need is a yes or a no. Hmm. It's like, well, <laughs> my goodness, you know, yeah. it's like um, that, that's very difficult. Um, to, to answer your question with just yeses or nos. And so, but, but the, but the culture is demanding it. Yeah. And so I think as Christians, like my encouragement would be, or at least what I've tried to do is, um, the book of James is really helpful here with wisdom. And that wisdom is to, to speak less, listen more and be slow to anger. Um, and I think that that, that can help you with whether you're a Christian who is a person of color or whether you're a Christian who uh, has a police officer for a relative, or maybe you are a police officer. Yeah. Um, that it could be really cool. you could it could be really easy to run to anger when you watch something not just like the George Floyd video but then the the ramifications of it yeah. that you could be very very angry as a person of color to say no one's ever going to care and you know you see injustice and you want to stand up for justice which is a, which is right you know we could go through the the minor or the major prophets all the way through into into Christ and say it's right to stand up for justice but but anger is not what is meant to be fueling that and yep. yet anger could be or on the flip side you could be an officer and say just because there is an officer who did something that was wrong and is bad doesn't mean that we're all this way yeah and so if you turn on the news and you see these signs that are being uh, that are being paraded around cities that say um, no good cops like there are no good cops, you know, that could make you mad. And so I think the Christian has to take the ethic of I'm going to be slow to anger. I'm going to listen more and I'm going to talk less. And when I use my voice, I'm going to try to be, I'm going to try to be keen, um, not to use my voice in order, in order to be leveraged by all of these different, whether it be organizations or political parties mm-hmm. that really want voices right now. Yeah. They, they want voices because it, it, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity for them to, like you said, you know, momentum, to gain momentum. So they would love to have your voice. And I think that Christians, we need to be reminded that we're primarily shouting for the kingdom. We're, we're, that, that's, that's where we're lending our voices to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Because we believe that no political system, no nonprofit organization can heal the wounds of any society or any part of the world, but Christ, only Christ can. And so we're trying to bring the hope of the gospel into this situation. And when everybody's screaming at each other, the Christian has to be wise enough to know that they shouldn't try to grab a megaphone or join a side, but to find the appropriate time and place in order to speak and to speak clearly. So... You know, you use the you use the analogy of somebody who says, uh, you know, don't don't commit any crimes, or this stuff won't happen. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's uh, maybe that's retaliatory. Yes. As someone feels like the rule of law is being attacked, because right now, I mean, you know, you get riots all over. We haven't gotten to riots yet. We got riots all over the nation, and so you kind of feel like uh, when people are basically saying it's okay for you to burn down a Target or a CVS, that the rule of law is being attacked and the rule of law is important because of peace. So mm-hmm. your, your, our reaction to that would be like, well, you know, well, we need to be about justice in this way. Yeah. And we're really just screaming about justice from two ends of the spectrum because for the, uh, the co- communities of color, they're over here screaming saying, 
this is our anecdotal experience. Even if you can bring all the statistics that you want, and everybody has their own level of statistics, but when you have anecdotal experience, that overrides everything. I've experienced this, and you just don't want to hear it. Yeah. And it's unjust. And on the other side, you're screaming against, well, we're looking at things that are unjust that are happening in communities of color too, but we're acting like those aren't happening. And I think that the, the reason that that becomes so full of vitriol is because, um, well, let's just use for the Christian in particular, I don't think we should expect non-believers to act like believers. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're, if you're saying, well, so-and-so saying it, if you're a Christian, please stop that. Like, why would, yeah. if you, if, all of our friends lists are full of people who are believers and non-believers. So you can't just say, well, they're being very loud and why can't I? I mean, you, then use that ethic with everything. I mean, that's just, that's a terrible ethic to use as a Christian. So if you're a Christian, I think we ought to be asking, when ought we to speak? And when we speak, how can we be the most clear? Because it, the waters are real muddy. Yeah. So how can we speak in the most clear and obvious manner uh, that reflects the character of Christ and also that points to Christ as the only hope, mm-hmm. not as uh, you know, a cheerleader for any particular movement or party? And that if we just had someone vote for this, this person plus Jesus, then it would fix it. That's, that's yeah. just not true. You know, it's what you said about two things can be true at the same time. Um, I know we've talked about this, and uh, and I, I just think about I think about the NFL, Colin Kaepernick hmm. kneeling during the national anthem, right? And there's a lot of just there's support, there's hatred, you name it. Um, but I kept seeing this I kept seeing this meme, and and again, like I'm not I'm not tipping my political hand here. I just want us to look at this sober mindedly. Would say things like, "Oh, well, y'all didn't listen when when we did when Kaepernick yelled. Y'all didn't listen when we did this. Y'all didn't listen when we did this." Well, you know, number one, a protest is a is not comfortable. Yeah. Of whether you agree with it or not, it's not comfortable. So, you know, to be able to to say y'all didn't listen or y'all didn't like it. Well, of course you didn't like it. I mean, I don't like it when someone when my son protests my my wishes for what I want him to do. You right. Know? So it's like, no, I'm not going to like that. But here's one thing you you talked about listening. And in the, example of, in the example of Colin Kaepernick, regardless of what side of the coin you lie on, two things can be true at once. So one, uh, let's, let's take the kneeling. He mm-hmm. is kneeling, and by his own words, he's kneeling for systemic problems that have existed in the United States, the treatment of African Americans. He's, he's uh, lobbying for you know, his skin color. Um, and basically, he's just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm publicly doing this because I don't approve of, of the way uh, that, that, this, that this is. And the national anthem happens to be you know, the song that represents our country. Right. So on the flip side here, um, we see that people are frustrated at that because they feel like, or they know, or not they feel like, the, the tradition is that the national anthem at sporting events is a way to honor the nation and the military and those who have died to defend it. Right. Right. So it's, it's there are two sides of the coin. It's either, oh, if you kneel, you, that means you're disrespecting the country. Or if you don't kneel now, it means you're not on board with Black Lives Matter or you're not on board with fighting injustice. Right. So two things can be true here. Because the, the nation has built a tradition of honoring the military and those who have died for defending our freedoms with the, with the national anthem at sporting events, it can be true that Kaepernick or those who kneel are making a disrespectful mark on, on that, that time. That can be true. It also can be true that there are injustices in this country, right? So, but the issue with, in the way that particular, and I see a lot of Christians, um, whether you're, you're, you're Democrat or you're Republican, we just yell at each other. How yeah. dare you, you know, disrespect the country? How dare you disrespect the flag? Or how dare you not get on board with our, with our movement? 
but both things can be true. You can fight for the injustices that are happening while also disrespecting traditions that have been created. You know, and if we can just listen to each other and say to a brother that wants to kneel, say, talk to me about this. Here's why I feel like that's disrespectful. Right. You know, and they can say, you know what, I hear what you're saying. But to me, like a point can come through like this because I know that there's a lot of military members that say, hey, I disagree, but I put my life on the line to defend the right for them to to do that. You know, right. and, and if we can just engage in civil conversation, because you know what, Jesus didn't, he did not stray away from having conversations with people that disagreed with him. The Pharisees thought that he uh, was a fool. They wanted to trip him up at every turn. Right. But he didn't say, you know what, you don't agree with me, so how dare you do this? Or, and you know, and things like that. So I just, I, I wish we could be charitable in these responses. I have people that are close friends that, that are acting right now in ways on both sides of the coins that I don't think are helpful but I'm not going to not be their friends. Yeah. So that's the difficulty I think that we're, we're running into. And I think that this is an opportunity for the church. Um, even though it's a very precarious time. Um, number one, I think the church has to be pure of heart and not diluted by cultural narratives. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so there are all these siren songs from every, uh, from every political party or organization or movement or, or, uh, you know, activist group that are singing, trying to basically develop, uh, or develop, you know, factions within their own group. And, and they're entirely fine with us being Christians as long as we're primarily a part of their group. And I think Christians have to reject that entirely and say yeah. no. Um, and that's something that we have, the Christian church has that we shouldn't, we shouldn't like forget every tribe, nation, and tongue race is going to be represented around the throne. So we're primarily brothers and sisters in Christ every race. And, and that's our primary identity before any of these others. And that includes national identity. And I, I personally uh, am very patriotic. I love our country. I love the story of, uh, you know, our, our founding ideals. I have always enjoyed reading American history. And I, I find it not only fascinating, but gloriously true that we were able to, that, I, that we were able to build a nation that's, uh, you know, built upon ideals like freedom and um well, like the Declaration of Independence is that we're all created equal and mm -hmm. uh, endowed with inalienable rights by our creator. You know, those things are precious to me. And so I'll tip my hand in that way. I'm very patriotic. But but I also remember that primarily I am a citizen of the kingdom first. Yes. Um, and, and that informs how I am um, an American citizen. And I think it informs it in the best possible way. So I think if Christians could think, um, what does Matthew 5 say? It says, Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. And right now, the, the conversations and the narratives, everyone, like if you just think of it in uh, the analogy would be like we're all sitting around a table and, and we represent all of different lives and lifestyles, community groups, whatever it may be. The volume's at a 10. Mm -hmm. It's at an 11. Everyone's screaming. They're screaming over each other. No one's listening. Um, and so I don't know if you've ever been in like a family argument or not, but usually when it gets to that place, there's no ground yeah. that's made either way. Everybody's just becoming more and more entrenched in their own view and there's no resolve to be had. It's more so I'm just venting my, and spewing my anger. Uh, and that's what happens in those moments. And that's what our culture is doing. So I think the church has a real opportunity and that opportunity is to be the preservative, to be the alternative to the madness of the world yeah. and actually to be gracious and to listen. And like you said, even if we vehemently disagree, to be able to listen and then to be able to respond graciously with truth. 
Yeah. And I'll use an example that I think is, is timely. Um, I think that every Christian should vehemently disagree with the Black Lives Matter organization, not the statement Black Lives Matter. The statement Black Lives Matter is irrefutable to the Christian. Yes. It's actually, it's, it's less than so. Black lives not only matter, they are precious. Black lives are, are uh, image bearers of yes. God. They yes. are um, not, it's, they, they're not just uh, important, they're sacred. Um, so the statement we should not only agree with, but hardly agree with. But I think that the organization, every Christian should uh, vehemently disagree. And, and the reason is because um, if you go through the about page of like Black Lives Matter, there's um, so they're they're pretty clear about what their motives are, and those things are the antithesis of everything that the Christian is in regards to particularly sexual uh, ethics, the nuclear family, um, in the way that we believe God created the world to be, mm-hmm. um, and so and so we have to be able to say that's that's wrong. Now, having said that, the next question becomes: How do we disagree with that? What's the most charitable and fruitful way to disagree with that? And I'm not sure that the best way to disagree with that is to join the table of yelling and try to ratchet up our rhetoric to 11. I think that um, the way that we ought to do that is to still listen. Because let's be honest, uh, people, whether believers or non-believers, are made in the image of God. And therefore, we owe them uh, dignity we owe them respect. Yes. Um, not because of any of their character. It really doesn't matter. We owe them that because we believe that God made them. This is like a, this is just basic Christianity. If you read the Proverbs, um, uh, what, what does Solomon say? He says, the man who insults the poor insults his maker. Hmm. So it, it doesn't matter if you disagree. Like if you look at a poor man on the street and you say, well, he made those decisions to get there and you, you're dis, you're de, he's detestable to you. God says that you are really detesting him because it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with the decisions that that man has made. He's an image bearer of God. So I feel the same way about every leader of a Black Lives Matter organization, even though I vehemently disagree with what they stand for, and I think that it's dangerous and harmful. Um, I believe that they are worthy of uh, dignity and respect and value, and that I ought to not just uh, say that they matter, but I also ought to say that um, what Jesus says is love your enemies. And that's what I ought to do. So how do I do that? Well, I think I think we listen, listen with empathy. You know, why are these things uh, so prevalent right now? It's because there are real injustices, there are real hurts, there's real anecdotal evidence that that people have really experienced some uh, some terrible things uh, at the hands of those who are in power, and and we ought to be willing as Christians to listen and then to minister to those those needs with the truth of the gospel. And so truth can simultaneously heal and sting. Yeah, um, but it's it's on us to be able to bring that truth with grace and with love, and our disposition ought to be primarily love. So, so I think you're spot on in saying like, um, you know, how, how do we engage with that? And, and if two things are true at once, how do we engage with that through listening? Well, I I think that's the, that's the opportunity of the church right now. Yeah, and and, and to to add um, on your comment on the Black Lives Matter organization, um, I'm sure that if you're listening to this, you've combed the Facebook forums, all the comments, and I'm sure you have, you've seen that before. Um, people say, I do think that Black Lives Matter, however, I reject the BLM 
organization. Right. Um, and most people, you know, to be honest, most people just roll their eyes at those comments. And they mm-hmm. come back and, and they'll, they'll say, you know, there's no difference between the two. But the truth is, you're right. I have done the research as well. If you go to their about page, they do talk about not they, – they reject – the fam, uh, the family unit, the way that the God had created, created it. Right. They uh, they admit that you know they want their they want to, um, they want to motivate and help destroy the uh, Western prescribed nuclear family, yeah. which is ultimately what we believe was uh, Genesis chapter one. Yes. And so you know, when we hear that, I think once again, Christian, uh, I, I don't think that we ought to expect. The non-believers would act like believers. Mm-hmm. Like I think we have seen that sometimes because we, we live in a, a culture that was very shaped by Judeo-Christian values, and so sometimes we forget that Jesus told us that we would be in the world but not of the world, yeah. and we have this expectation that that's going to always be so. That people are just going to always carry these values, but but I think that that's a that's a wrong way to look at it. We ought to expect that if if non-believers walk in darkness, that there will be darkness that comes from that. And I believe that yeah. the idea that. Um, Destroying the ideas of mother and father, mm-hmm. destroying the ideas of male and female, um, are so detrimental to human beings and human society because yes. that's how God created us, and and God desires for human beings to flourish. Yeah. Um, I also think that one of the reasons that I vehemently believe the Christians should disagree with the Black Lives Matter uh, organization, at least their charter, is because um, the statistics would bear forth that because the nuclear family has been destroyed. There's a lot of harm that has come to the African-American community. Now, I think we can have real discussion around why the nuclear family has been destroyed, why there's so many single mothers, and why the single motherhood rate of the African-American community spiked even after the civil rights movement, uh, and what is the role of mass incarceration, what is the role of uh, um, certain legislation and policies around drugs in the African-American community. I think that's a worthy conversation for the Christian to engage in. But I don't think that the answer is to say you should further propagate the destruction of the Mm -hmm. family unit because we have seen, not just in biblical history, but in human history, that when the the family unit is destroyed, that societies do not flourish. Human beings do not flourish. Mm -hmm. Um, And Christians ought to be about human flourishing because that is uh, what God intended us for. So... Again, like to go back to your original statement when we started the podcast, when I say that, that's not, that's not political, it's theological. Yeah. I, I don't mean that politically. Uh, I mean that theologically. I mean that spiritually. Um, and, and I think that every Christian should, be, should, should stand there too. Having said that, I want to reiterate, um, there's a way to disagree yeah. that I think is modeled by uh, the Lord Jesus. And when he tells his disciples, when they go by two by two, that if someone rejects the gospel, he tells them to shake the dust off of their feet, but to leave. He doesn't Mm -hmm. tell them to draw their swords. He doesn't tell them to call fire down from heaven. In fact, when James and John try to call fire down from heaven, he rebukes them. Mm. So I think there's a way that we we disagree uh, that actually continues to communicate the love of God for all people. I agree. And and before we move on to our next kind of hot button topic, I'll I'll just... I'll add, add to your, I'll, I'll affirm your statement. You know, when, when we started this, this podcast, we just said we're not trying to make political statements. And what we will do and unashamedly do is defend the things that, that Christ has called us to, that God has yes. called us to, right? So we're not here to lobby uh, liberalism, conservatism, libertarianism, you name it. Um, right. But what we will do is defend the integrity of the Christian faith. And so I know that there are already people who are probably frustrated listening to us right now. Right. Um, 
and people who are disagreeing with the things we said, and that's okay. The whole time we've been talking about listening, right? And so we, we've done our best as just brothers in the faith too to listen to all the people around us. And you know what? I'm brown, you're white. Yeah. So like we're here talking about different cultural issues. We, we've talked about in other podcasts, like we have different cultures, you and me. Um, I know, and it's, we laugh about it, but I get, as a brown person, and by, by most people's definition, a person of color, I get lumped in with white culture. Right. Right. So people will tell me, uh, you're not really brown, you're white. Yeah. But because my father is educated and worked very hard for a, uh, uh, um, a, a, a living. But to be honest, like we talked, we, we talk about this. My, my ancestors, my grandmother was in relocation camps, World War II, right. stripped of almost everything they had. One of the biggest human rights violations in American history outside of slavery itself. Yeah, rarely ever talked about. Yeah, I mean, their their land was bought for pennies on the dollar. They didn't receive anything. They had to sell everything. They came out to nothing. Settlements later down the road, but um, but the, and and then yet like in our in our because our our society is so polarized. Right now, it's just become a lot of ways. It's just become African Americans versus Caucasians. Really, forget which, about me. Which yeah. I which I do think that uh, it's another it's another conversation. I think the Christian should really lean into mm-hmm. because I think that when it becomes you know your identity primarily becomes the color of your skin or another group that you identify with, I mm-hmm. think that's a really harmful way to do conversation. And I also think it's a harmful way to do relationship. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, when we define people in that way, and I think that most people would agree with this if they if they really remove themselves from the political landscape. When you identify people like that, you're really just, uh, you're dehumanizing them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you are more than just a brown-skinned guy. Yeah. You have a story, and your your parents have a story, and which it's it's amazing, you know, hearing your parents' story and where they came from and, um, you know, came from really impo- impoverished backgrounds and worked really hard. And, yep. um, but when you just boil you down to, you're just a brown-skinned guy, um, that's that's harmful. It's yeah. dehumanizing in the same way that you look at my skin and you think, oh, well, he's a white guy, so he's probably comes from privilege and, you know, whatever it may be. I think that uh, those things can be really harmful. Um, and I think there's things that we should work against from a theological perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the theological perspective is that we are made in the image of God. Yeah. And therefore, there is a it, it basically it raises everyone into an equal playing field. Yeah. Um, you know, aristocracies don't don't hold up against that any more than um you know uh oppressed peoples can hold up against that doctrine <laughs> you know yeah. like the the exodus happens because the the jewish people are enslaved but god uh, rescues them from slavery why is god so interested in rescuing the children of israel from slavery well one a being it's this people that he had promised to do good to but i think also it, it was it's detestable to god that there would be um I- image bearers uh, enslaving image bears in that in this manner it's it's yeah. it's it's detestable to him um and so there's freedom there and and god it works for the freedom and and i think that that's not on the basis of their skin color yeah that's on the basis of who they are in his character and they were made in his image so i yeah. think if we could frame the conversation there that's more helpful and christians should be about that yeah um if you find that there's these conversations that are going on and they're on the basis of only race um and, and I, I think I need to make this caveat because I've, I've heard this said before. I'm not saying to the exclusion of race yes, because yes. Your, your story includes that and that's, and that matters too. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not saying that we just completely ignore that. I'm just saying that that's not our primary identifier Yeah. Uh, because when it becomes our primary identifier, then we are all basically 
don't we have a lot less in common than than we should if we think of it theologically yeah human beings should theologically be reminded they have a lot more in common Mm -hmm. namely that not only are they image bearers but they're all fallen which means that that puts us at a, at a level of needing forgiveness and grace from one another. Yeah. And therefore we can extend it. But also not only, not only are we fallen, but we're also all extended grace in the person and work of Jesus Christ, that salvation yes. becomes unifying as well. And if, if we can do that theologically, I think we could find more common ground because um, if we're just only focused on race, there's more of a chasm and a divide than there is unity. Yeah, and, and I was going to make the same caveat, so I'm glad that you did. It is not to the exclusion of race, and you hear people say things like, "Well, I'm colorblind," and that 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 statement is mostly always meant in in uh, in favor and in, in good heart, right? Um, and but you know the 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 rejection of that statement is to say, which most people will say, is to say, "No, we don't need to be colorblind. Let's embrace the color. We know that before the throne of God, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, right? So my my people, your people, my color, your color is going to be there." And let's celebrate that, right? Like, let's celebrate my my uh, my ancestors being farmers and uh, putting relocation camps. Obviously, we don't celebrate the injustice, but we celebrate God's faithfulness. We celebrate your story growing up and the way that you had to grow up as well. Yeah. You know? um, and let's and heritage and culture and all of those things. You know, those things could be really great things. I think that most people, when they say I'm colorblind, what they're trying to communicate is um, I don't discriminate against you on the basis of race. Yes. And I think that's good, and that's right. We should be in that way. But I think that the the rebuttal is trying to communicate. It makes some feel as though you don't want to see my race. Your color doesn't matter. Yeah, no. or or that I don't want to face up to that idea of you, um, or I don't I don't like that idea of you. And yeah. that's just I think that's just not a a. It ought not be true. Yeah, for the Christian. Um, and and it's a reprehensible idea that we would not want to look at someone's color because it's you know something off-putting no yeah. i think we i think that we should embrace all of those cultural things and that's great yeah and, and, and color is a real thing it really is we've i've told you this and just to be candid you know i i notice like my i'm i'm darker than most of my friends not all of them but most of them and uh there's been times where i've been at different events in in around the city and stuff where i've noticed i'm the only non-white person there um there's been few and far between because we have humble is pretty diverse in and of itself but yeah, it's a real thing, and it's uh, it can be embraced in a healthy, godly way. And God made me this way, God made you that way, and we celebrate that as well. You know, something that's probably a good to mention, though, that's it's encouraging is, uh, well, first, let's mention that the United States of America has its own context that we're that we really battle with this. Why? Mm-hmm. Because of Will Chattel slavery and yeah. you know Jim Crow laws and um, you know. The, the pre-antebellum south and just there's some awful stuff lynchings redline mm-hmm. so we wrestle with this uniquely i think as a nation even though racism's all over the world but you america has it uniquely and here's a reason why and this i, I don't mean celebrate this i mean that's awful that's evil and it's detestable and and we have to grapple with it uh, and we should i mean abraham lincoln was famous for saying that he believed that it was you know, providence not only gives blessing, but it gives judgment. Hmm. The providence of God blesses and judges. And he believed that the reason that the Civil War was necessary is that we would bleed for all of our sins um, that we were going to pay, basically. Hmm. Um, and so so I do think that we have to see that that's evil, and that's why we're wrestling. But here's the celebration part of, of why we ought to celebrate the idea of our wrestling. And that is because America's founded on these ideals that because all men are created equal, we are are uh, aiming to build a society that represents all of 
culture, mm-hmm. all of the world, all races, all tribes, all nations, and that they're represented. And that's hard to do. You know, yeah. a lot of nations don't have to deal with this because they have a primary, uh, you know, homogenous group of that's race. Uh, but you, it's funny. I was listening to Ravi Zacharias, and he was talking about that uh, in race uh, that there's racial issues in India, and it's just about the hue of skin mm. in India. <laughs> Uh, I remember. Crazy. I remember when we went to South Africa. It was similar. Um, and Morgan and Kari could talk more about that. But you know that it's about the hue of blackness. Yeah. Um, and and they actually have you know what what they would call black Africans, and then colored people, hmm. and colored people in in South Africa were considered to just be lighter hued Africans, uh, and then white people, and so racism is all all the way across the globe, and it just basically finds its way into different societies in different ways. It's ways that we can have prejudice against one another, yeah. in ways that are it's, it's sad, but it, in ways that we literally can't control, yeah. like genetically. But the, the celebration that Americans should have is it's a worthy fight for us to fight that we would get beyond that. Yeah. To have representation of all of these tribes, nations, tongues of the, of the whole world represented that we're living together in unity and in harmony under a greater set of ideals. Mm-hmm. Now, as a Christian, we believe those greater set of ideals uh, in the church is the gospel. Yes. But the American ideals, uh, are, are, they're not you know, uniquely Christian ideals, although I think they were influenced by it. But I think they're still, the American ideals are things that we should still fight for and, and good things. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's something to celebrate. You know, it, I think when, uh, I, whether or not you agree with Barack Obama's policies uh, or him as a politician, I think the fact that an African-American man could be elected to be the president of the United States for two terms should be something that we generally celebrate yes. as, as people uh, of the United States of America, because it does repre- it does mean that we've moved to a place where not only one race of people yeah. are represented in leadership. No, I, I think that's good. And, and, and you mentioned earlier about um, listening and, and talking individual conversation. You know, a lot of times, um, whether it's church or whether it's nation, um, the first thing that when we try to get an idea or a concept across, the first thing a lot of people say is, let's just make it a law. Let's just preach a sermon. Right. Let's write speech. <laughs> but you know what? It's the same thing. It's, it's, Facebook is the polar example of that, that you get an idea and the moment you do it, you just broadcast it to everybody with no context. Yeah. Right. And so if you think about this, you think about some of the more impactful conversations, the rebukes that you've had in, in church life. Um, for you guys who are listening, the home group conversations you've had, you've had those conversations across a dinner table most often or not with people that you know have labored with you through the heaviest of things, whether it's your struggle with giving your finances, your struggle with lust, uh, you're having marital issues, you are doubting the existence of God himself. Somebody often has come alongside you and bore that burden with you and said, here, brother or sister, this is the good news. Hmm. It hasn't just been me getting on Facebook and saying, you need to believe this and here's why. Right. Now, maybe every now and then it has worked. Something I've posted or something court has posted has been a blessing to you. And that's why we do that, right? Yeah. But most of the time, it's not just a tweetable truth in a sermon or that, that will carry you to that next mile marker of the Christian faith. Often you're encouraged by those things. You say, oh man, that was convicting. But it, but then you take it to home group and you say, well, court said this on Sunday or Brendan said this on Sunday and I can't stop thinking about it. And you parse that out. Yeah. You know, and so I just, I just want everybody to know that these conversations are so important to have, whether you agree with us or disagree with us. 
Like, let's have these conversations. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think it also has to do with, you know, we, you know, we could probably spend a lot of time on this, but I know we have a few more topics to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that uh, social media, it, it overpromises and underdelivers. It, it overpromises uh, influence mm-hmm. and it underdelivers on influence because once again, you know, I think of social media like a megaphone and most people aren't moved by the guy on the street that has the megaphone. Yeah. Most people aren't moved by it. Most people are generally annoyed by it. Um, and so if, if social media is a megaphone, you know, I think, and I'm not trying to, uh, to, to tone down anybody who really feels like they have something they want to share, but, but ultimately I think most people like to see your pictures of your kids, pictures of your family, stuff like that. It's like, Oh, that's cool stuff, you know, and that's just totally gone now, uh, because it's all, you know, um, coronavirus statistics or you know the new article that you read that's going to be that's going to prove your point or whatever and i get it people are passionate about this stuff and it's just a hard time so i'm not trying to cast uh judgmental stares but but i think that um most of the time to just affirm your point we are more influenced in conversation and relationship yes to change our stance than we are on social media, social media helps to re-entrench our stance, not change our stance. Yeah. You look at Christ and his ministry, and of course there are several examples of him preaching to the masses, the Sermon on the Mount. Certainly. One of the most influential, uh, you know, uh, sermons ever, uh, the greatest sermon ever written, right? Um, But you look at particular examples, you look at um, a woman at the well. Mm -hmm. It wasn't from people holding up a picket sign saying, don't commit adultery, you, you, you know, trashy person yeah. or don't do this. Don't do this. How dare you do this? It's Christ coming to this woman and saying, here's what I know. Here's the offer. Yeah. Really? Hey, will you draw water for me? Yeah. Which, what a humanizing thing to do for the woman who is probably going to the well in the middle of the day because she doesn't want to be around people because she's known as the prostitute of the city. You know, whatever it may be. He says, Hey, will you give me water? It's Christ coming to Zacchaeus, the hated person, the tax collector and saying, I'm coming to your house for dinner today. And maybe that's a good point and, and, uh, and a good segue into some of these other topics. But once again, for the Christian, keeping our eyes on the kingdom mm-hmm. and remembering that the biggest win for the Christian is not that someone agrees with your political leanings, but that someone would submit to the lordship of Christ and yes. find life. So, you know, it, it, it's so much more. When, you, when we remind ourselves of that, it's... it's uh, it helps to frame what's the most meaningful thing that we could do or say. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of land this plane. And really our last topic as we as we come to an end here is COVID-19. Hmm. Um, we we saw a quarantine for, uh, you know, six weeks or how, I don't remember how long it was at this point. It's been six months since really this whole thing started. Um, and we, you know, we as a church, we, we stopped our gatherings for a while, did online. Even now, uh, we're, we're still doing um, socially distanced gatherings and we're doing mask mandate uh, and things like that. And, and we have a, a supplement for online uh, for Facebook Live, our services. But the big topic today is kind of kind of a, a, a smorgasbord of COVID-19 related things. So number one, masks, the mask mandate in Texas. Yeah. Number two, the conspiracy of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different view of, is there a purpose to this? Did this pandemic uh, come because people are trying to control the minds of Americans? 
Um, is it going to end at election day? Mm. Is it, you know, uh, our masks for mind control? All these different yeah. scenarios in which is there a cure out there, but they're not actually telling us, you know. Um, and so I think I'll start off by saying with the mask mandate, because in Texas uh, and particularly Harris County now, too, we're, we're, we're mandated for masks. And I know that I'll ruffle some feathers by saying this. It's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> and I know that you guys are frustrated with me saying that. Um, listen, I don't want to wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> I do not want to wear a mask. Um, let's just be real. We all drink coffee in the morning, then we put our mask on, and it's terrible. You're breathing your coffee breath into this mask and recycling <laughs> it like eco Ford EcoBoost engine just <laughs> back into itself. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's <laughs> so gross, but it's a good analogy. But uh, I, you know, and I and I'll show up to, you name it, whatever retail store or shop that I'm going to, and I, I'll forget my mask. Just got to walk back to my car and get it. I don't want it on, but, and I know that you, a lot of you guys are probably saying, you know, if we give away one freedom, we're giving away more. I'm all about, you know, I'm all about not giving away freedoms, you know. But right now in this very charged climate. I do know that the coronavirus is a real thing. Yeah. I do know that people are dying from it. I do know my friends who have gotten it. I've had to get tested for it twice. It is the worst. I don't want to get tested for it, but I do. I, I did it one time for to be above reproach because we came into contact with someone. And uh, I did it one time because my country band's playing a gig that I had to, I had to be, you know, negative for it. But what I can do right now is think of the people who are stumbling with it. I can think of Paul when he when he writes, uh, I think it's in one of his letters to Corinthians where he talks about the weaker brother. Is that Romans? Yep. Um, and he says, like, you can be an example. You don't have to look down on your brother who, who doesn't want to eat the same food as you because they don't understand that at times. Or I can put on my mask, brothers and sisters, even though I don't like it. Yeah. To say, you know what? I know you're struggling with this right now, and I can help. I can help with that. Yeah, and I, I shared an article from the Gospel Coalition that talked a little bit about masks mm-hmm. and why, even if you hate it, you know, we ought to wear it. And and I think that was pretty helpful. Yeah. Um, but I think that one way we can might might be able to frame this in a helpful way that kind of encompasses all of the coronavirus stuff, and and maybe even some of the stuff we were just talking about with uh, the protests and George Floyd, is how should we be citizens of the kingdom of god as we live in the kingdom of man yes that's that's a that's a good question that i think we christians should ask and it's addressed like like paul addresses this mm-hmm. a few of the texts that paul addresses this in, and we're even going to get into it with first peter uh, where peter addresses it as as he tells us to honor the emperor you know which is interesting for him to say that with nero being the emperor who had just exiled the jews mm-hmm. out of rome but uh, or maybe it was claudius i can't remember but uh, nonetheless paul says in romans 13 that the government uh, has been endued with a power and authority by God to wield the sword for our good. Now, that's interesting that Paul would say that, and, and Roman occupation was not known to be all that free, especially in that time when it was an empire, not a democracy. So uh, so the government has a, has been given authority by God to wield the sword for our good. Um, and then we have this American identity that's ours, and our, our American identity, identity is freedom. Our mm-hmm. American identity is uh, the kind of don't tread on me, like you don't get to tell me yeah. what to do or say. That's the, the and, and these ideals of freedom of speech, uh, the, and and so the idea of masks feels like you're infringing upon those freedoms. Yeah. Or same thing with like temperature checks and all of these things. So the question becomes, how should Christians view this? And I think, 
Uh, I, I wish I had a silver bullet here. You know, my wife and I argue about this all the time. She's more outspoken than me. Uh, she's pretty, you know, geared up about everything that's going on with schools right now because my wife works and, you know, uh, my son is enrolled in a local school. It's not going to be opening up. And so we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with that. And, and so we kind of go back and forth about this. But this is, this is how I think we ought to look at it. Um, with masks in particular, why is it easy for us to say that we ought to wear them? And I think the answer is we are not uniquely being discriminated against as Christians yeah. by being asked to do this. And therefore, I don't think it would be, be worthy of a protest in the same way that some of the regulations that Governor Abbott has laid out. He's given exemptions to houses of worship, but we've chosen to submit because they're not uniquely uh, discriminatory against us. Now, having said that, is there a time to stand up? Uh, most recent, and I believe the answer is yes. And I believe that Paul did this whenever the officials told him not to preach in the name of Jesus. And he said, who am I to honor God or man? I'll honor God and not man. And he, re- and he rejected the authority of the elders of the Pharisees and also the Roman authorities all the way to his death. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a time where we stand up. An example of this might be, and whether you agree with this or not, I do agree with this. Uh, John MacArthur recently in California where yeah. uh, Governor Newsom laid out an order that the churches could not meet anywhere uh, I can't remember the details of his order, but basically saying they couldn't meet. But and the, that casinos yes, and things could The Supreme still, Court comes yeah. out and says, yes, the, the casinos can meet, but the church can't. You yeah. know, And so uh, John MacArthur wrote an entire letter about this. It's online. We might share it in the episode notes so that you can check it out. But I think that John MacArthur, whether I agree with John on, on every theological point, the answer is no. But I, believe, I agree with him here. And he said it, it is important for us to honor God and not man in this way. Yes. And when man man's authority that was given to them by God is utilized in such a way that oversteps and tries to encourage the Christian or demand that the Christian not obey God, that we should stand up. So that's one way to think through as citizens, how should we react to this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, uh, with, with the schools, um, I think that we ought to try to be as gracious as we can to leaders, what, yes. no matter what their political affiliation is and the school board members, the teachers, all these people, they're just, I, I believe that most are trying to do their best and, and, uh, and I think that we can let our, our uh, opinions be known and in the right forums, which that leads me to my second piece here, which is um, there's a way for you to let your opinions be known in our society, in our culture, that doesn't have to include a lot of the stuff that I've been seeing masquerading around on social media. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't have to include the riots going on. Now, I know that a lot of the, the conversation has been, well, it's a lot of people that feel very unheard, and so they have to keep pushing, and it has to begin to get to this place, whether it be violent or whether it be getting online and just, like, blasting people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these are two totally separate issues, and, so, and they have levels and degrees of, of uh, intensity or importance. But nonetheless, I think that Christians ought to be about the business of using the, uh, the opportunities and the avenues that have been given to us to disagree and let our opinion be known. And then, and I put this online, I think, yesterday, uh, be reminded that the most influential thing the Christian can do is to pray. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes we are prayerless and we become more social activists than we are people of prayer. So I think this is a time where, as, as a pastor, I, I, I think we ought to be calling our churches, and I do call Providence, to be more uh, engaged in prayer than ever before and to be asking and pleading with God that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you have a lament, bring it before God. Mm-hmm. If you have a... Uh, an injustice, bring it before God and plead with God for justice. And, uh, and then let your voice be heard in the avenues that have been given. Uh, and if there be a time where you, where 
someone is telling you to act or to, to act in a way that is not in accordance with what God would have you act or to not act in a way that is in accordance with the God, way God would have you act, then yes, it's time to stand up and to, yeah. to, to, to protest and, and even to, to, to the end, we will. Uh, but in the meantime, let's be more about the business of prayer. Yes. Um, because there are some forces, to, to go back to, uh, to our conversation earlier, there are spiritual forces at play here. Mm-hmm. And the reminder of Ephesians 6 is that we battle not against flesh and blood. Yeah. So we ought to be praying fervently in the spirit. God, please help. Um, and, and even like the texts that uh, go through in Romans 8 here, where there's sometimes where you don't even know what to pray, and the good news is the spirit intercedes. Mm-hmm. So just find yourself in prayer. Amen. Well, we know it's a lot to have covered in this one episode, um, and I know that uh, opinions are flying out all over the place, but before we close, is there anything else that you want to add to this? Yeah, I was going to say, maybe uh, what we could do is, obviously, we have a lot of a lot of ground we could have covered, yeah. and uh, we only have so much time, so um, we'd love to take your questions. Yeah. Any questions that you may have, if you want to, you can... Uh, you can email us or you can email info at providencetx.org and uh, we'll check it. And then maybe next Provcast, we'll just have a time of like mailbag where we'll just go through the email and, and maybe do a little bit of a, a Q&A. So if there's some something that we said, uh, like Brendan said, we want to be listening to. So if there's something yeah. we said, we're like, hey, I don't like the way you said that or I wish you would have said it this way. Or, or maybe it's just a question like, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. Uh, send it our way. Um, we do not think that we got the silver bullet on this, but we do, um, both of us, agree that uh, our eyes should be set on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to encourage you to set your eyes there as well. Amen. Um, Well, as Court mentioned earlier, um, and I'm kind of excited about this, at some point here in the next couple of episodes, we will hit social media, and we'll we'll devote about an hour to that, because between Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, Tumblr, (laughs) I I prefer MySpace, Zanga. Oh, there you go. We'll touch on that, because, uh, I mean... Uh, there's just a whole plethora of things to talk about with that. Mm. Um, But until then, we appreciate all of you joining in, and we hope that you have a great week. Um, Visit us on Facebook. uh, Just search Providence Community Church, um, uh, or you can visit our website, providencetx.org. If you're listening to this and you're not an attendee or member of Providence, we would love to have you on a Sunday morning. If you're local, we gather at 9 and uh, 1045. Uh, and so uh, we are gathering right now during this quarantine time. However, we are we have our chairs socially distanced, and we do require masks, but we'd love to have you. So uh, go now. Share the love of God that's been shown to you. Love God, love people, and we'll catch you next time.